Welcome to the Go Find Out Podcast. I'm Jennifer Jelliff Russell, author, speaker, and entrepreneur, bringing you actionable ideas and interviews with awesome women to help you pursue your dreams and achieve your goals. You can find more episodes of the Go Find Out Podcast by visiting gofindoutpodcast.com. Enjoy the show and go find out. Welcome back to the Go Find Out Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Jelliff Russell, and this is episode number 43. On today's show, I interview project consultant and renovation expert Jen Jones about how she went from commercial construction project management to starting Nine Yards Consulting, a residential renovation management company. But first, let's jump into a quick personal update. All right, so I finally finished my last round of editing for book three of my urban fantasy series, and I've sent it off to an editor for proofreading and then some awesome beta readers. So usually you do one step before the other, but I'm impatient, and I really want to get it published sooner rather than later. This last week, I've mostly been working on updating my Evergrowth Coach website, and then I go over that with my awesome coach, Megan Kuhar. It's been really interesting to see like the whys behind, you know, like font selection and like website design and like web layout. So that's that's been going really well, actually. I also started a Fiverr seller account to offer resume writing services until my website is done. So right now I just have like old stuff on my website and I don't have any services offered. So I just started a Fiverr seller account under Jennifer Jelliff Russell. And on that Fiverr account, I'm just offering like really cheap resume revisions just to have kind of some funds coming in. Um, To make a living as a writer, you either need like more books out there or to, you know, have just like a random bestseller, right? So until either of those things happen, I need just a little bit more of a steady income. So, hey, if you are looking to update your resume, you can check out my Fiverr services by searching for Jennifer Jelliff Russell. And yes, that that was definitely a shameless plug. (laughs) All right. On to the interview with Jen Jones. On today's show, I'll be interviewing renovation expert and project consultant Jen Jones about her journey of going from commercial construction management to becoming your best home renovation weapon with her company, Nine Yards Consulting. Welcome to the show, Jen. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. Now, what um, what initially actually got you interested in commercial construction management and what is commercial construction management? Um, So I kind of always knew from quite young that I wanted to work somewhere in the industry. I just wasn't sure exactly where, you know, like I was sort of drawing floor plans and elevations of my tree hats and trying to get my brother to build them for me out of crutches <laughs> and things <laughs> as a child. So I think it was sort of ingrained from quite a young age. Um, and initially I thought that I wanted to be an architect, um, but I didn't get into architecture school. So that sort of threw a bit of a, a spanner in the works. Mm. Uh, but I had been involved in something called Young Enterprise at school um, and my parents are small business owners and so they kind of suggested that maybe I wanted to pursue something more on the business or development side of the industry. Um, And yeah, so from there I kind of, I sort of studied in that in that field and took a few sort of random jobs to try and get me to where I wanted to be. And yeah, sort of ended up managing these sort of projects from 150 to 250 million dollars. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, <laughs> in New Zealand up until a couple of years ago, and and so commercial construction management on projects of that scale um, is quite finite, and that my role was mostly around logistics, so sort of understanding uh, the impact of every area of work or every sort of miniature project of work within the overall 
scope of the job and sort of planning the the staging of the works and organising things like when I, I worked for Auckland Airport and we had to deal with things like aviation security and civil aviation authority and landside airside boundaries and moving retail tenants and back of house tenants around to accommodate the work so it was a bit of a yeah. logistical nightmare yeah. as I'm sure you can imagine so my role was quite focused on on that side of it and then after a few, sort of five years of doing that I moved into high-end commercial fit out which was managing sort of jobs around two million dollars so my role sort of covered more of the the typical project management responsibilities so I would write programs and budgets and I would procure all the trades and order all the FF&E like the fixtures and furniture and deal with the with the client and do all the invoicing and the forecasting like it was it was a more well-rounded role because it was a smaller project whereas mm-hmm. in those bigger projects you kind of your responsibilities really narrow down and then you have a quite a big team supporting you which one did you prefer the the sort of the smaller focus or? oh it's hard to say like there's a lot of adrenaline around working on a really like a really big project and being part of something that everybody knows about mm-hmm. like a shopping center or an airport and every milestone in that kind of environment is a massive achievement because it's such an undertaking to get there because of all of the different things that you have to juggle mm. but in saying that I really like the smaller projects because I'm I have more autonomy and I'm more in control and I'm kind of I'm at the top and I'm over, I'm, I'm seeing everything in control of everything and kind of involved in different aspects of the project. So it's my experience and my exposure is more well-rounded. Like I, I definitely enjoyed expanding my skill set when I moved, moved to fit out, if that makes sense. And that kind of enabled me, I guess, to start my own business as well, because I, I had that exposure to more aspects of the role than I would in in what they call major projects. No, that makes total sense. Yeah. How long did you do that? And then what prompted you to actually step away to start your own business? Uh, so I worked in the commercial sector for about 10 years. And I actually I actually still do. I contract to a local construction company, managing a couple of their little projects just to, you know, keep some skin in the game and flex, yeah, those, yeah. flex those commercial construction um, muscles. I'm managing a couple of really cool projects. I've got a, a brew bar, like a microbrewery and a, and a whiskey distillery and a penthouse apartment, which is quite cool. Yeah. But in, in terms of uh, what prompted me to start my own business, I think probably like a lot of a lot of the stories you hear, I became a mum. <laughs> and so it was just, you know, self-employment's a lot more conducive to parenting than, than a nine-to-fiver or in my case, like a seven-to-sixer. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, like credit to, to full-time mums it's a it's a tough gig but uh just not really for me I was kind of itching to do something on maternity leave or even just before I went on maternity leave the thought of sort of having 12 months of only being a mum mm-hmm. and I don't say only because I don't want to discredit the role no, like but, it's a yeah. big role but I just I I just needed something more and so I I sort of started thinking about what a business could look like before I started maternity leave and actually 
signed my first client about two weeks before I went on maternity leave. Oh, wow. And in the two weeks between starting maternity leave and having my child <laughs> giving birth, <laughs> I did quite a lot of work on her project. And then I had oh, about three weeks off after giving birth um, and continued to work with that particular client until my daughter was about three or four months old. That's really cool. Yeah. And that was quite cool because it was all a bit of a learning experience. And, and the client, she, she was a mother of a young daughter as well. And she was very flexible with me. And she knew that I was kind of just testing this idea out on her project with a bit of a quid pro quo arrangement. And then I sort of, I took a few months to figure out how to structure the business and start pulling some resources together. And I, like I wrote some blog posts and some free eBooks and things like that. And then took on a couple more paying clients when my daughter was maybe eight, nine months old and then sort of slowly ramped that up and then eventually resigned from my job a month before I was supposed to go back to, to work and kind of just went full hog wow. <laughs> into it. And the, like my first month sort of properly all in was, it was still my, you know, that was November and that's, that's been my biggest month so far in terms of revenue. So yeah, it's, it's been a bit of a journey and, and insane, but, um, but totally worth totally worth it. Yeah, that's so cool. It's nice too, because it sounds like what you're doing now, it's a lot more personal, like you have more of a yeah. personal connection with the clients. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think there's something really unemotional about commercial construction. You know, there's a, there's a board and it's, you know, they sign off an extra $10 million without so much as a second thought, really. Right. But, you know, when you're working with homeowners who are trying to achieve their dream home goals and a place to raise their family and they're investing half a million dollars or a million dollars of their hard-earned cash into this renovation, it's really personal. And, you know, there's no, there's no board or there's no, like, endless supply of cash that makes it um makes it easy to just get the job done and yet and yet there's like no structure really or what i was saying was that there was not, not really any structure to the residential construction sector even though it's people's hard-earned cash and if anything there should be more structure because we we need to protect these individuals we need to protect mm -hmm. their asset just like you do in commercial mm -hmm. but there's no emotion in commercial right. so it was it kind of seemed to run the wrong way yeah and you know the the market's kind of flooded with uh interior design resources but not really a lot in the project management space mm -hmm. um that kind of I think people don't even really understand what project management is sometimes you know but nothing really there teaching people how to set up their project for success you know how to scope it and make sure that it's priced accurately up front so there's no surprises later on and that it stays on program because you know exactly what it is that you're, that you're supposed to be doing and everyone's on the same page mm. at the beginning of the project you know so that yeah. was kind of what I was trying to achieve nice and so is that kind of your process is kind of sitting down with the homeowner yeah. or your client and just kind of figuring out initially like okay let's talk about budget what do you actually want to achieve and then figuring out the project yeah so definitely starting with at a very high level what what they want to achieve you know is it more space is it just a refreshed space is it a better flow whatever from a from a design point of view mm -hmm. um and then understanding ideally what their their budget is and any other constraints like program or, or what have you and then just making sure that all of those expectations are aligned and if they're not then I'll be pretty brutally honest about that <laughs> up front you know I'm not a, I'm not a designer I'm not here to be be fluffy I'm here to 
you know, as, as nicely as possible, take them on a journey, but make sure that their expectations are realistic because, you know, I think nothing against designers, but I think they get really caught up in the end result and don't really think about what that's going to cost and whether the client can really afford it. And, and then the client gets sort of taken on this design journey and gets so caught up in it that they sort of forget about the budget as well until they get a quote at the end and realize it's, you know, 25, 30, 50% more than what they can afford. Yeah. So it's kind of better to just have those tough conversations up front and go, well, hey, look, do you want us to design to your budget or do you want us to design to your wish list? Mm -hmm. And then and then at the end, give you some options of things that you can pull out to bring it back down to that level. And actually nine times out of 10 people do do opt to design to wish list. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of give you them, give them what we call value engineering options to take them back down. So if they need to pull a hundred grand out of it, then I go, okay, well, here's five things that will pull out 200 grand you choose the two or three of them that are going to get you there. So then the decision is actually completely with them. You know, they're given options and right. they get to weigh up and compromise and decide what, they, what they're what prepared to, to give up to get to that financial goal. Or actually most of the time they go to the bank and they ask for some more money. I see. <laughs> they're money. like, no, we want everything. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, but the important thing is that that decision is theirs as opposed to getting to the end of the design process, giving them a price and going, well, that's it, take it or leave it. Mm. You know, like that's kind of a, quite a brutal way to do it. So it's it's the same outcome. It's just a nicer a nicer way to do it. Right. Well, and then everybody's happy all around yeah, because they're all on totally. the same page. Absolutely. Yeah. And so when you first switched over to starting your own business, did you have any like naysayers when you told people about starting it? Um, Not really, but that's probably because I kind of didn't really tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I was supposed to be on maternity leave. I hadn't resigned from my job. I was kind of pretty quiet about the whole thing. Like I didn't really put my face on social media or anything like that. It was all, it was quite cagey actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and I think when you make this big elaborate I'm quitting my job to start my own business kind of announcement. It becomes the thing that everybody hones in on when you catch up with them. But instead, the pressure was alleviated because every time people call up with me, they're like, oh, how's mum life? Are you getting enough sleep? Um, <laughs> so, which was fine because I was quite happy for that to be the distraction. And then I was kind of just chipping away at it in the background. And then by the time I resigned and I posted on LinkedIn and about what I was doing and I showed my face in social media for the first time that all kind of had a really positive reaction and then people went oh actually hold on a second she's quite well established or really already and then they kind of put two and two together and realized actually I was I was like over a year into business um <laughs> at this point um nice. and so you know the proof was kind of already in the pudding I guess so yeah not really yeah it's a good way to do it <laughs> that is a good way to do it yeah and so what, what kind of challenges did you run into when you first decided to start? Uh, mostly just time, you know, just juggling um, this new sort of parenting role uh, and this new business role at the same time. And I, I was really conscious of the fact that, you know, I was on maternity leave and I didn't want to lose sight of that. I didn't want to get too immersed in this sort of business goal that I lost mm. sight of the fact that. I was supposed to be spending this this time with my daughter mm -hmm. uh, and so I tried to only work when she napped um, or you know when she was kind of at a at a point where she was kind of just quite happy to lie lie on the mat under a under a um, a play gym or something you know for half an hour mm -hmm. or something you know and, and make sure that when she was awake that I was actually spending time with her 
um, and it wasn't until she was maybe about six or seven months that then my mum would kind of come and watch her for a couple of hours so that I could go and do client meetings. Oh, nice. But I felt that, like, there was no guilt associated with that because it was really nice for my mum to have one-to-one time with her own grandchild. So I think yeah, the biggest challenge was just not wanting to get two years into business and regretting that I had spent too much time on it up front and not spent time with my daughter. And, you know, she's 15, 16 months now and I don't feel that regret at all. Like I feel like I gave her everything she needed and I got enough of that interaction time as well. And now she's at daycare and she loves it and it's awesome. And I can just kind of go, I can go all in, but I could only work for like an hour at a time. Or <laughs> well, like up to three hours at first. She did really, really good naps when she was young, you know, oh, up nice. till about four months old. Um, and then, yeah, and then it was like sort of an hour here, an hour there. So you have to learn to be able to put the pen down and forget about the task, you know, when she wakes up and then, and then try and jump back into it, pick up where I left off at the next nap. That's kind of part of project management anyway, really. That's right. (laughs) Right. At that time, did you find that there was anything like specific habits or staying like super organized that helped you to be able to sort of pick up project when she was sleeping and then be able to, you know step away from the the task when she woke up yeah for sure um I think yeah it probably goes without saying that my project management background in general was quite conducive to that that whole process do you tend to like to like write things down are you like okay this is where I'm at to put a pen in it um do you like literally like write yeah I definitely well I keep a lot of things in my head I probably don't write down down things as much as I should and I don't use any apps like Asana or Slack or anything like that it's kind of just always in my brain um I do follow now that I'm working full-time, I do follow Cal Newport's deep work method of, of planning my day out. I don't know if you're familiar, but deep work's a book I'm um, that he wrote. Yeah. Definitely recommend it. Um, and so I, I'm quite structured in, in my day and I sort of sit down and plan out what my day is going to look like. And I make sure that I hit the sort of key tasks that I need to each day. And I, But I think also as a project manager, you know, shit does go wrong. And, and you have to be prepared to just drop what you're doing and, and shift into action mode if something does go wrong or you need to jump on something straight away. And I guess, you know, I could have likened that to, oh, my child's crying. She's awake. Got to drop what I'm doing. Switch to that task. I'll come back to it. Um, yeah, it just, yeah. The juggle is real, but, uh, but I'm probably, yeah, I'm probably set up to deal with it quite well. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, with project management, like you said, you absolutely had to do that. Like you'd be working yeah. on one thing and then all of a sudden, not a literal fire, but oh my gosh, there's a fire over here because this contractor <laughs> dropped out or whatever. Yeah. Right. There's always something. Yeah. It keeps you on your right. toes, but I kind of like that, you know, like it's, it's fun. It's interesting. Always a bit of adrenaline. Yeah. Nice. And so when you first started um, Nine Yards Consulting, did you have any fears about going out on your own? Oh, not really. Um, you know, having thought about it in the past, like it's a pretty big decision to give up a good salary to go and do your mm-hmm. to do your own thing without really knowing if there's a market for it. But mm-hmm. you know, again, being on maternity leave, we'd budgeted for a year of one income anyway. So in my mind, I was like, well, I've got I've got a year to figure this out and and see if it's going to work. And um, if it does, then awesome. I don't need to go back to work. And if it doesn't, then well, you know, at least I know I tried and I've got the security of this of this good salary to go back to. So I guess that fear was kind of removed, but I certainly felt in the last couple of months, I was like, shit, okay, I've only got I've only got a couple more months to really have a good go at this and, and you know, and in its decision point. 
and I think like everybody, there's always an element of imposter syndrome in there as well. You know, I don't think anybody is, is immune to that. Mm-hmm. And particularly switching from commercial to residential construction, it's it's not as seamless as you might think. Like, sure, the processes are the same, but they're, from a technical point of view, it, it is slightly different, like just slightly different building codes that you have to be familiar with, mm-hmm. slightly different materials and products and finishes and and things like that so sort of feeling like I was maybe a little bit out of my depth um but then remembering that actually you know I had 10 years of commercial construction behind me and if I could figure that out I could figure residential out and I and I sort of did go on a little bit of a process of of self upskilling I guess through that year of maternity leave and yeah it actually hasn't been as hard as I thought so yeah definitely challenges but I don't think really much in the way of fear now Mm. (laughs) Would you say probably one of the biggest differences is like like the marketing aspect, like it's up to you to get clients? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I never, yeah, I never had to do any of that in my previous roles, certainly not in the industry anyway. Like I had sales roles at, you know, at high school and at university, I worked in different commission-based sale roles and I did, and I did do quite well. So I guess I knew that I, deep down that I could probably sell my story and sell my process when the time came to it. And it, and I, it hasn't really felt icky either. Like it's everything's kind of just happened quite nice. organically, which is really nice. Like it's, And I think that there's a need for that as well. I think particularly with the growth of social media over the last few years, people do sort of expect to see, to, to have more of a personal connection. Right. You know, and, and, and that's evident in the fact that as soon as I started showing my face and doing question boxes and stuff on Instagram, things just kind of took off so it goes to show that people need to see to see the person behind whereas in a commercial setting they don't really care who you are as long as you get shit done right (laughs) (laughs) no No, you're totally right though you do have to have that sort of that trust you have to build it with your potential clients yeah Yeah. again it's like it's a lot of money that they're investing it's their life savings and it's their family home like it's a big deal so you have to um you have to be able to gel with the client they have to trust you and know that the journey that you're going to take them on is going to get them the result that they want with the least amount of stress and heartache as possible. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like you have any specific habits that have made you successful in this field kind of overall? Yeah, I guess just in general, like on on any size project, you're ultimately breaking it up into little bite size chunks and bringing in subcontractors when you need to. And business is kind of no different. You know, I'm breaking things up and I'm, you know, I, I have big goals, but I break them down into smaller actionable steps and, and bring in the freelance and contractors that I need to to get the job done at at each phase and that kind of that helps me to move forward with the business and and that just comes from from project management experience I guess. And what do you think that you would have missed out on had you not started your business? Uh, If I can be really frank capitalizing on the current market I know that sounds really oh yeah um, probably a bit bit horrible but you know if there's one thing that's come out of COVID it's particularly New Zealand is that everybody's stuck at home you know we're on an island um in the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere and, and albeit an, an almost COVID free island so definitely not complaining but you know and you know we're not having to contend with with borders and things but it also right. that, we, that we can't go anywhere so mm-hmm. everybody's just kind of spending money on renovating their homes instead and and because there's a lot of Kiwis coming back to New Zealand you know from their stints in Sydney or New York or London or whatever the property market's pretty hot at the moment like house prices are going up and and it's starting to get a little bit cost prohibitive to actually buy so particularly if you already own a house at the moment in this current climate it just makes more sense to renovate and extend than it does to try and sell 
and buy again, particularly if you've owned the house for a number of years because you're over investment in terms of what you paid for the property and what you're going to spend to renovate is significantly less than it would be if you were to sell and then try and buy something that's already kind of dream home level in this current market. So um, so I'm definitely seeing a spike in uh, particularly in the last six months of people deciding to stay put and renovate and that's you know that's just been great for business and if I wasn't you know if I hadn't if I wasn't already established right now then I wouldn't be able to capitalize on that. I think it makes total sense yeah. What do you find like inspirational for your designs like books or do you like follow other design especially for the design piece? Yeah um so I mean I do have an uh, interior design diploma and obviously fit out experience so but but you know I, I am first and foremost a project manager um but obviously um I do have an interest in design and fit out otherwise I, I probably wouldn't be in this sector I'd probably still be in major construction but I do tend to leave the design up to the pros right. <laughs> I mean I like I do obviously have an interest in design and and I do find myself scrolling through Pinterest and Instagram and I particularly quite like following just like Joe and Jane Doe home renovators on Instagram who are documenting their journey, sort of seeing what they're up to, you know, like no no big names or anything like that, just like random homeowners doing some cool things. And, and that's actually often how I discover little micro brands of, of new products and suppliers and stuff is because I don't, I don't necessarily come across the small mum and dad companies in my day to day. I'm sort of, you know, I'm mostly dealing with larger suppliers. So if I follow these little little husband and wife or husband and husband or wife and wife, whatever, um, duos on Instagram renovating their home, it's, yeah, I sort of discover all sorts of new things and get all sorts of new inspiration, which is really cool. And then occasionally I kind of slide into their DMs with unsolicited advice. Nice. <laughs> No, that's cool. And I think too, a lot of the people, like like you said, like the just the, the general homeowners doing their own home renovations. Yeah. They don't they don't know if they're breaking any rules, if that makes you know what I mean? Like they don't know yeah. if there are design rules. So they're just like, We're gonna do yeah. it this way because this is how we want it. <laughs> exactly. And I like that because I think your home should be what you want it to be. I don't think and I'm you know, interior designers everywhere probably be shooting me right now, but I just don't <laughs> think that you have to prescribe to like a specific style, like right. you know, just whatever whatever feels good to you. I mean, I think that our home is more harmonious if there are, um, and balanced if there are a few things that are consistently taken through. And that's just like, you know, that could be through flooring or it could be through the same style of scotia or skirting or the same type of door handle on all of your doors. Like just little things like that. Mm -hmm. um, that sort of just tie the whole home together. But in terms of like, you know, paint on the walls and furniture, just whatever, like, whatever makes you happy, put it in there. <laughs> now, I, I've seen, um, I've checked out your website and I see that you have a lot of really cool eBooks on your website for homeowners who are starting a renovation. Would you recommend that those are a really good place for people to, like like me, who is renovating an old farmhouse? Is that a great place yeah. for someone like me to start when considering a renovation? Yeah, for sure. I think regardless of whether you're sort of muddling through the renovation process yourself, or even if you're working alongside an architect or an interior designer, it's always good to educate yourself you know like it's a there's a lot of you know it can it can be quite a a sort of new world of unknowns if you've never done it before so mm. even if you are hiring seemingly an expert I think it's a good idea to to do a little bit of research for yourself and kind of go in there with a little bit of knowledge to to get you started and I guess that's what my ebooks are supposed to be um you know they're specifically not an interior design resource. I think the, the market's kind of saturated with those already. There's they're more about they're more of an introduction to the 
renovation process, like the design and build process and, and all the decisions that you might have to make along the way and the information that you need to make those decisions, whether you're renovating a kitchen, a bathroom, a bedroom, your whole house, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then as well as that, actually, um, I think a, half the battle for homeowners is just not really knowing where to start. So my ebooks kind of kind of help to to get people underway. But I'm also actually next week running a a little free seven day how to kickstart your home renovation program as well, where I'll be sending little like daily emails with with little prompts and information checklists and things attached to sort of help people get into the right mindset to sort of set their renovation up for success and, and get it get it kickstarted. You know, if they're struggling to if they don't know where to start and they're struggling to, to get things kicked off, then this is kind of a good little program for them. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. And now now you're you're in New Zealand, right? Yes. <laughs> Are you able to work with folks overseas, like virtually to do project management? Yep, absolutely. I mean my my ebooks are this sort of general in nature but I do mention specific things around New Zealand building code and, and what would uh, trigger a building permit in New Zealand but I'm also aware that building codes are like are pretty similar globally so even though there is there are snippets of information like that in the ebooks they are generally quite quite broad and transferable to any sort of region and I and I've had purchases purchases of the ebooks globally um, and then t- in terms of my my services and the coaching program that I'm going to be launching in a couple of months yeah I mean I they're all virtual services anyway I can literally work from anywhere and I've got a pretty good understanding of, of like I say general building codes globally and can apply that to anything really that's awesome okay yeah and so where can listeners learn more about you your company and your services so I tend to hang out mostly on Instagram at nine yards consulting with a n-i-n-e rather than an rather than a number nine. Um, and I share a lot of resources and tips and tricks and things um, on there. And I've got guides for kitchen and bathroom renovations. Um, otherwise, my website, www.nineyardsconsulting.co.nz, uh, is quite a good source for renovation resources. And um, there's some information again in, on there about my ebooks and my upcoming e-course and coaching program and some of my prepackaged services um, on there as well. A wealth of knowledge. Yes, yeah, seriously. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Jen. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been so nice to chat. So I thought that this interview with Jen was really great as I always find it interesting to chat with women about their process of starting a business. So I think a lot of women do like Jen did and they sort of keep it to themselves that they plan to start a company. There's a lot less pressure that way and then you don't have to deal with potential naysayers before you've even gotten the business off the ground. And while there are some benefits to telling people about starting your business, such as, you know, getting business referrals or resources from friends or family, honestly, I think it's more important to weigh the benefits of sharing your business goals against the potential for negative feedback. I know there are some people in my life that I didn't share my business plans with because I knew that they'd be Debbie Downers. But I did have a handful of folks that I did share my goals with because I knew that they would be supportive and that they might even have like recommendations or ideas to help get me started. Honestly, I would rather deal with someone being upset that I didn't share my business plans with them than to deal with someone giving voice to all the negative thoughts and fears that I probably already have going on in my head about going after my goals, right? Now, I do the same thing sometimes when I'm starting to like write a book, but I'm not completely sure about like the storyline. So books that are like a sequel, I'm happy to talk about because there's usually like people waiting to read those. And I generally have an idea of what's going on. You know, I know who the characters are and all that. 
But if it's, you know, a totally new story, new character, different genre, then I'll usually keep those details to myself because I don't really need the Debbie Downer saying no one will read that. Then I also don't need folks telling me that I should like change my storyline or like give me the recommendations for what they think should be in my story. This might sound a little woo-woo, but honestly, dreams and goals, like when you first start toward them, can feel like little baby plants, right? They're just tiny little seedlings that you have to give just the right amount of water, just the right amount of sunlight, and the exact right amount of nutrients, or they tend to like peter out and die. I wouldn't let someone else watch my seedlings unless I knew that person extremely well. I treat my goals and storyline ideas the exact same way when I'm first starting out with them. I'm only going to share them with folks that I know will help me nurture them, right? And not with people that I know have a negative streak. So if you have a dream that's just in its, you know, little baby seedling stage, be smart about who you share that dream with. Some folks will help you to nurture that dream, while others are happy to drown it in water or cast a shadow over it that keeps it from getting the sunlight it needs. Choose wisely. And if someone does stomp on your little baby seedling dream, remember that they did that so that you don't share that kind of thing with them in the future. Can you guys tell that I have farming and like starting seedlings on the brain? (laughs) All right, that is it for this week. I hope that you enjoyed today's interview with Jen. Join me next week for a solo show on the fear of mediocrity and why it's okay to be average. Until then, go find out. Thanks for listening to the show today. I hope you found the information beneficial and that it helps you tackle your own Go Find Out goals. You can find more episodes and the show transcripts at gofindoutpodcast.com. You can also let me know what you thought of the show by tweeting me at GFO Podcast or follow me on Instagram at GoFindOutPodcast. That's it for today. Now go find out. <laughs>